Welcome to LongTrailPodcast.com, a new series of podcasts about Vermont's Long Trail, the oldest long-distance hiking trail in the United States. We're podcasting from Delray Beach, Florida, our hangout during our non-hiking months. I'm Ruff, and my wife, who is also my hiking partner, is Tumble. In today's program, I recall my August 2005 hike on the Long Trail southbound. Appalachian Gap to Battelle Trail, 11.9 miles. Tumble dropped me off at the Gap at 8 a.m., and I started up the Long Trail South on Stark Mountain. After I signed in at the trail register, a young woman came down, sans poles, water, and pack, and declared it a great day for a hike. I read her sign-in entry destination as, quote, one mile. My goal for the day was Stark, Ellen, Cuts Peak, Nancy Hanks, Lincoln Pink, and Mount Abe, plus an exit down the Battelle Trail for a total of 11.9 miles. I asked Tumble to pick me up at 5.30 p.m. The weather was iffy, warm and humid, windy, and dark clouds rolling in from the west. The trail was wet from last night's rain with mud, standing water, and wet, slippery rocks. A perfect day for a hike. As I began the climb up Stark, I met an older man. Older defined as anyone noticeably older than I. He was carefully descending. He said he was hiking as far as he could, hopefully all the way to Canada. He reported that he had spent the night at Stark's Nest, a fabulous place. He was full of ebullient praise for Vermont. And when I agreed, he said how glad he was to be out here and noted that, quote, there are a lot of people in nursing homes, unquote. I mentally noted that there are also a lot in China, but I knew what he meant. I hiked on through the mist and occasional patches of sunlight. The bug population was down to a few harmless houseflies and some clusters of curious mosquitoes. I had forgotten how blissful this could be. The trail was very familiar as I have lost count how many times I have done this section. Still, the new mud pits and the erosion from previous boots kept me focused and provided a new trail. I was making good progress and I hardly felt my pack. Did I leave it with Tumble in the car? So I hiked right past the Dean shelter and its cave. The section south of Dean is always a vertical challenge and this trip didn't disappoint. As I clawed my way up the rock faces, I oozed sympathy for all Nobos, future and past. The bunchberries just north of the nest were in full fruit and I snapped a photo as I made my way past. I stopped at Stark's Nest at 10 a.m. for a snack of pecans and hazelnuts and looked out as the clouds, some gray and some white, were racing past across the tops of the mountains. As I resumed my hike, I got about 50 yards down the trail and heard a dog barking. I looked back and saw a hiker with a yellow lab. The hiker shouted out that his dog was friendly and his greeting was a bark-laden charge that meant no harm. Okay... I stood and watched as the yellow guy executed the plan according to script. The hiker's name was Mike, and he was a supervisor of payroll operations for the state of Vermont and Montpelier, and he lived in Bethel. He was very friendly, and we strictly, quickly struck up a conversation as we hiked along together across Stark Mountain. His dog Hooch fell in behind Mike as I trailed them. Mike was section hiking the long trail had just started behind me at Apgap that morning and was surprised at encountering the ladders on Stark. He had to lift Hooch up them and was relieved when I answered his question 
by telling him that there were no more ladders between here and his destination at Route 4 in Killington. He said that he hiked the Appalachian Trail in 1999, making it from Georgia to New York before injuring his knee which forced him to quit. He hopes to finish the Appalachian Trail soon, but is not sure when he'll get enough time. We stayed together until the junction of the Jerusalem Trail, when the long trail started up again and I was not inclined to match Mike's pace. I wished him a good hike and continued on following an occasional fresh paw print in the mud. As I began the strenuous climb up Mount Ellen, I looked at the familiar rocks and asked, I just did this a couple of weeks ago. Why am I doing it again? Why indeed? Because the trail is beautiful and I love hiking it. At least that was my thought pattern while lying in bed last night. At present, that pattern has a lot of static and an occasional loss of signal. After climbing what seemed like a statistically significant percentage of the rocks in Vermont, I broke out into the open area below the lift station on Mount Ellen. As I approached, I heard the same bark as before, and there were Mike and Hooch just preparing to hike on after stopping for lunch. It was high. Hey, I was at 4,060 feet, noon. My hiking suit was wet from sweat and the wind was cool, so I took refuge on the leeward side of the steel lift support. I tried calling Tumble, but the calls wouldn't go through, so I made a mental note to try again at Lincoln Peak. Lunch consisted of a juicy granny Smith apple and half a package of tofurkey jerky. I also tucked a chocolate cliff fruit and nut bar into my pocket for a trailside snack. I resumed my hike at 12.20 p.m., entered the woods, and quickly went past the new Mount Allen summit sign, elevation 4,083 feet. The weather continued to be threatening, and although there were no distant rumbles of thunder, I mentally reviewed my strategy in case a lightning storm approached by noting the low spots on the trail and also the frequent ski trails which could provide a quick way for me to get lower on the mountain. The south side of Ellen has some tricky rocky descents and I took my first and hopefully only fall of the 2005 hiking season on one of them. Fortunately, I was already close to the ground slash rock and didn't have far to go. Aside from a little redness on my left forearm from the contact, I was fine. At least the event increased my focus even more, a good thing as I began to get a little tired at this point. The trail was populated by fragrant balsams, are there any other kind, and I moved through the woods enjoying the frequent eastern views down the mountain. By 1.15 p.m. I approached the Castle Rock lift station and warming hut just as a young male hiker emerged from the woods hiking north. We had a nice chat. His name was Dave, no trail name, and he was end-to-ending, this being only his tenth day. He planned to cut back his daily mileage here in the northern section, but he had a deadline because he was joining his family in Acadia for a vacation before starting school in the fall. He was heading for Dean Shelter that night, and I told him about Stark's Nest as a possible alternative. I munched on my cliff snack and hiked on towards Lincoln Peak. This section of the trail has more up than down, especially on the approach to Lincoln, but it is very nice and has some great views to the east. I passed a family group of seven, 14 girls, mother, father, little brother, who all, except the father, appeared to be carrying their entire life's belongings and looked beat. The father had that big walk-in-the-park smile that would probably earn him a large supply of resentment before the trek was over. I reached Lincoln Peak by 2 p.m. 
after taking some great panorama photos of the valley and the mountains to the east, north, and west. I sat down on a rock near the look-off platform to call Tumble. I connected and we chatted for about 12 minutes. At 2.15 p.m. and when, with 3.7 miles to go, I appeared to be on schedule for my 5.30 p.m. arrival at the trailhead. I started down the rocks on the south side of Lincoln Peak and had a good view of Mounts Grant and Breadloaf to the south. The wind continued to blow west to east and sailed right across the narrow ridge between Lincoln Peak, Little Abe, and Abe. I hiked through here twice the previous summer, and it suddenly felt like I had never left. The rocks, trail twists, and turns, those nouns always go together, and the mud all looked as if I was here yesterday. Neat. I spotted the well-worn trail on the west which led to the plane wreck from years earlier. By peering through the trees, I could see parts of the wreckage still in place. Next, I was at the Alpine Zone sign as the trail began its final climb up to the Abe Summit. No one was there as, a, as I strolled across the top. I took a quick photo of my boot with my foot in it and my poles on the summit marker and at 3 p.m. went over the edge and started the steep descent. The rocks above treeline dropped down steeply and after careful negotiation, I reached the woods. Here is what one would normally breathe a sigh of relief make, at making it past the rock scramble, but hey, this is Mount Abe. Around the next bend is a really, really big, are you listening, Ed Sullivan? Drop off down another set of rocks. This section makes the previous section seem like a walk among the lilies. Tough, nasty, steep, rosary gripping stuff. Rosary? I was concentrating so hard I could hardly tell how fast I was aging. Did we really hike this up and down in the past? It does seem to get tougher as the years roll on. Okay, that concession is for this section of Mount Abe only, and maybe the Breadloaf southbound descent also. There are exactly one million rocks of varying size but uniform hardness on the way down to Patel Shelter. You can ask my feet. When I got to the shelter at 3.45 p.m., there were Mike and Hooch hanging out on a rock in front of the shelter. Mike was reading a paperback. He had decided to stay for the night if considering that the next shelter, Cooley Glen, was a good distance away. We chatted some more and Mike detailed his future plan to hike some of the sections north of App Gap while musing about the difficulty of spotting his vehicle. In response, I gave him our phone number at the battleground and said he should call me if he needed a ride. Shortly after 4 p.m., I began the familiar 2.1 mile descent down the Battelle Trail. I tried to go slowly and felt all the day's trail miles in my legs. The big stream halfway down was rushing and a couple and their dog were splashing water on themselves to cool off. I said hello and hiked on, deciding to skip the standard Giardia lecture. Slowly but surely, I made it down the trail and when at 5.15 p.m. I hiked around the final bend, I heard Tumble backing the car in at the parking lot. Phew! I was glad to see her and almost as glad to sit down. This was a great hike and yes, I'd do it again. And of course, I'm planning to. Vermont, I love you. All is groovy. This has been a presentation of LongTrailPodcast.com. We hope you will return and enjoy future podcasts about Vermont's Long Trail. Until then, this is Ruff of Rough and Tumble, Long Trail, End to End, 2003.